Please stand for the reading of God's word. We will be in Romans 8, starting verse 35 through 39. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the reading of God's word. God, thanks be to God. You guys can have a seat. Whenever you see the blue screen of death come up on the, the projector back here, everyone in the booth panics. I know you can't see them because you don't face that way, but I know what's happening. So I look back there and they're all like, Grr! And I figured it out. Like, we saw the lyrics, right? So I was like, I think it goes like this. No input detected. What? Well, it's a, that's all I'm going to give you. That's enough. Oh, I know. It's good stuff, isn't it? I'm up here to do a comedy bit. I'm here to bring the word to you today because it's, this is one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture. Romans 8 is glorious. And so I want to jump into it so that I, I, I get as much in as we can possibly talk about today. Because it just really tells the story of the goodness of God. And in, in that passage just there, just a second ago, as Jeremy read, is Paul is convinced. He's convinced. And that's a word we're going to hang on to today. Because I want to ask you just, what convinces you of something? Like, what convinces you of something being true? All right, so this morning, I wake up, and I'm an old man now, so I all, I'm always looking out the window. Any old guys just always look out the window? Like, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm looking out the window, I'm sitting on the sofa, I'm looking out the window, and nothing's happening, it's just looking out the window, right? My kids make fun of me, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking out the window, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on in there that I can't tell them about, but I'm just looking out the window. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I see a stick. I live in the woods, man, All, my, my backyard's filled with sticks, but I'm convinced every stick is first a snake. I mean, I don't know why. Maybe it's from the fall in the Garden of Eden and, you know, the, the serpent. But every stick I see, I'm convinced, is a snake. And then I have to let data, my head, and, and my experience, those two together. And we're going to talk about that a lot today, head and heart. This is how you get convinced. I'm convinced it's a snake, but i got to watch that stick for a minute, that snake, and just see what happens. And it doesn't move it doesn't move. It didn't move yesterday. It's the same stick that was out there yesterday that I thought was a snake. And so once all that information starts getting into my head and I go, yeah, that's a stick. And then I go in my experience is yesterday it was not a snake. It is also a stick. And then I'm no longer convinced. This is the negative side of unconvincing yourself. I'm no longer convinced it's a snake. Right. You guys agree that it's just a stick? Okay. Let me do the positive side of it to help you out then. Um, if, if you were to ask my kids, uh, is Trey your dad? They could go, 
Well, these are the birth certificates. Our name is on them. His name is on them. Yep, he's our dad. That's the facts. That's the data. That's the head logic is legally they're my kids. They really do belong to me. Right? But there's another part of it that's the heart part. And then if you were to ask my kids, hey, how, but how, con- how convinced are you that he's your dad? Not using your head, but just your heart. And then they might say, well, and I'm going to, I'm talking about me here. Is my kids talking? Because he's good to us. He provides a home for us. So he gives Zaxby's drive through. We have monster energy drinks. Who gets my, I mean, like that's a bonus thing. I'm good to them. I'm also for them. Right? Like, I don't pull against my kids. I'm for them. I want to see them achieve their goals and succeed. There, there's love in actions. You, we're not a terribly huggy family, but I'll, I'll hug them. That's a proof of my love. We'll have deep conversations together. We laugh together. Uh, love in action would be last night we were watching videos of Nirvana from the 90s, and I'm like, these are my kids, man. I love them. <laughs> you knuckleheads. And even in discipline and correction, that's love, right? Because you don't discipline and correct something that you don't care for. I love your kids, kind of. I don't, I, if they're running around the church, I don't really, I mean, it's not a big deal to me. I'm not going to discipline them because I don't love them like they're mine. But I love my kids enough to discipline them. And so I hope as you just kind of start hearing what maybe is happening here, is that my kids are convinced they're my daughters by fact and by experience. And this gives them confidence. Right? When your head and your heart align, there's a confidence that you have. You're convinced. And when you're convinced, that confidence then changes how you act. Confidence changes how we act. And just so my goal for today, I hope it's going to be pretty clear, is just that you leave your convinced, like Paul, in your head and your heart. In your head, you know you're a child of God. And in your heart, that you feel the love of Christ your head and your heart, to be convinced. And I hope that this gives you a confidence that Paul talks about at the very end of this passage, that he is convinced there's a confidence that he has, confident that he is good, confident that he, God, is for you, confident in his victory, not your own strivings, and confident in his love. Confidence affects our actions. And you can see this in also, you know this to be true, but I'll give you a couple of examples. If you watch the Braves, sorry for the sports analogy, but at least baseball is like some women do that. So look, Grissom playing shortstop for the Braves right now. He's struggling a little bit, right? Already has twice as many errors as, you know, Dansby did last year. Uh, I lost a lot of you already. I'm sorry. The point is, in sports, when a man's confidence or a woman's confidence is compromised, they can't perform as well, right? You know this to be true. If you have a, a failing or something at work, something didn't go right, you lose a little bit of confidence and you're not quite sure you're ready to do that again. Confidence affects our actions. I was watching, oh gosh, another sports metaphor, golf. Rory McIlroy was like projected to win the, you know, the Masters. And on the first couple of days, he just struggled. And you could see his confidence go away. One of the greatest players to ever play the game, his confidence was gone. And he, he could not play well because his, his actions were affected by his confidence. And I'll just say this to you because you might be asking, why is that even important? Why do we care about the confidence? If we lose confidence in God's goodness, 
If we think maybe he's not good after all, then we'll run away from him, not to him. If we lose confidence that he is for us, if we think maybe he's actually against us, then we'll start to see every circumstance in our life as some sort of punishment from an angry dad. If we lose confidence in the fact that he has ultimate victory, if we think maybe God is weak or maybe God is, is losing the battle, then we will stop fighting. It'll affect how we act. We'll lose sight of that perfect hope of glory and instead we'll find comfort in immediate things of this world that are bound to destroy our lives. And if we lose confidence in his love, if we begin to think that he hates us or he's mad at us, or maybe worse, that he's just apathetic, that he doesn't care, if we begin to lose confidence in his love, then we too will grow bitter and cold, angry, and apathetic. So I'm telling you this morning that I think it's vitally important that our confidence is boosted, that we are convinced this morning both in our head with facts and data and the truth and in our heart by our experiences and the things that we've witnessed, we must walk out of here confident and convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, this morning, would you teach us through your word, through your truth? Would you remind us of experiences and all the things that we've witnessed of all of your goodness in the past so that we can be confident, confident that nothing will separate us from the love we have in you, Christ Jesus. And to God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's get in the scriptures, y'all. Point number one, Romans 8, 28. Point number one is going to be, conf- we got to be confident that he's good. Just confident that he's good. Romans 8, 28 says that, and this goes on a bumper sticker, if you hadn't heard it before, for we know, we're not convinced yet, but we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And we'll stop there. Because you know this verse. You've, you've heard this so many times. For we know that all things, and we're going to say, what are all things? And I'm just going to, if you're taking notes, verse 28, verse 31, and verse 37 have that same phrase all throughout. So we're going to see, we know that in all things, what are all those all things? In 31, he's going to say, what can we say about these things? And then in 37, he's going to say, and this is the, there's uh, more than conquerors. He's going to say, in all these things, we're more than conquerors. So if you pick it up, we're going to see, in all things, he works together for good. In these things we're about to talk about. And then in all these things, as he wraps it up, we're more than conquerors. Just a small little note, because sometimes we say, if God works through all things, then I can just go crazy sinning like a madman and he's just going to use all that for good. And I'm going to say, nope. (laughs) He's already said that several chapters. We are no longer are we bound to sin. We are are free from sin through the grace of God and we can walk in newness of life. So we're not, we're, we're dead to sin. We're alive to Christ. So it's not saying in all these things and all your sins and failures that all of a sudden that's going to be wonderful, good stuff. Can God redeem all that stuff? Absolutely. Is that the point Paul's making here? No. Okay, good. That's clear. No. So we talk about all things and all these things that God's working together for good. 
And I'll just jump to the, the, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, because I want you to hear this. I ain't talking about Calvinism and Arminianism and all those kind of isms today. We do on the podcast. I want you to go see the podcast. What we are talking about, though, is when God foreknew, that's uh, no in Old Testament scripture is a very intimate language. To know someone would have been like, you're married and you're, you're, you know, that's knowing them. And so when God uses this intimate language about foreknow, he's saying that he is just before the foundations of the world, intimately knows you. And if you are that kind of follower of him where he knows you to that degree, then he predestines you, which just means you have a destiny to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the point of that passage, not how do we get saved? When did, you, when did it happen? None of that stuff. It's just that if he knows you that intimately, then if you are his child, then as a child of God, which all of Romans 8 has already talked about, that we're children of God. If you are a child of God, filled with the Spirit of God, then your destiny is to be like his son, Jesus. That's our destiny. You are predestined to conform to the image of Christ. Now, what about these all things work together for good? What is good anyway? When we talk about what is good, do we ever really know what good is? Quick story. My daughter, uh, Annabeth, she's 18 now and about to graduate. When, uh, when she was two, I don't know, mamas, you can help me out here. Two years old, three years old, you get the shots. You got to go get all the shots from the doctor. Two-year-old, maybe, I don't know. And we're going to pretend like all those shots are really good and helpful. So I know some of you are like, mm you shouldn't do that. That's fine, your opinion. I'm just saying, in my world, the doctor said we need to do this and we were going to do it. And that was that she would go get these two-year-old uh, immunizations or whatever. Now, here's the deal. My, my child was, a little, uh, let's say, advanced. She asked a lot of questions. I'm sure your kids never asked a lot of questions. She's sitting on that doctor's bed thing, and the doctor comes in with the needles, right? And my daughter begins to go, whoa, whoa, hey, uh-uh, no, don't hurt me. Because that looks like it's going to hurt, right? Don't hurt me. And now I have to go with logic and reason. Oh, honey, it's for your own good. This is good. Like, this is, this is going to help you. And she's like, uh-uh, that's going to hurt. Daddy, don't let him hurt me. Daddy, don't let him hurt me. I'm like, baby, I'm not going to let him hurt you. Wow, yeah, I am going to let him hurt you. I'm sorry. Like, that thorn is going to be pricked into your flesh. And I'm sorry, that thorn in the flesh is going to cause you some pain. It's going to help you remember in the future that this, you need this. This is for your good. And she's like, uh-uh, I don't like that. The doctor's going to hurt me. Don't let the doctor hurt me. And as the father, I'm going, doctor, you don't, don't hurt her. And the doctor's like, hey, you got to hold her legs down. I want to leave the room. I want you to do this, doc. I don't want to see this anymore. But the father does not run out on the child. And so I have to hold her legs down. This is silly. I should not be getting worked up about this. But she doesn't understand the reason for the pain. She knows I can stop it. And I don't. Because I know what's good for her. And look, this is such an important part. I want you to hear this. After the pain, after the prick, and there was another one. Like one wasn't good enough. They had to do another one on this. After the pain, she didn't run away from the father. 
She didn't distrust me and go, I'll never believe in you again. She didn't stop talking to me because she experienced some pain. And here's why. Because I scooped her up in my arms and I held her tight. And I didn't try to convince her it was for her own good anymore. I just held her. I just held her and I said, I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever pain you're going through, I'm going to go through it with you. And the doctor comes in with a lollipop and that's the hero, right? Like the lollipop's the hero. And I'm like, no, the lo- listen, the lollipop's just things of the earth. I am holding you right now. I will not leave you. And so she can trust me. And at 18, she still kind of trusts me, but hear this, the doctor, the medicine, the appointment that I made for her, the father's approval for this to happen, the father holding her legs down and then holding him to her, to his chest, holding her to my chest. In all these things, they were working together for the good of her. And she knew that she was loved by the father. So when we're in pain, what do we know of good? We just want the pain to stop. So what is good? In this scripture, what does Paul tell us what, is, what, what, what we see as good? Anything that conforms us to the image of Christ is good. And he's going to go on to tell us that that's going to be hardship, distress, persecution, poverty, danger, These things, in all these things, God uses those to conform his children into the image of Christ. And it's painful, but it's good. So I want us today to be confident that he is good. Point two is to confident that he's for you, that God is for you. Romans 8, 31 through 36. He says, what then are we to say about these things, the all things, these things, If God is for us, who could be against us? And he who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? If the good father gave you his only son, is that not proof that he is for you? My goodness, he is for us. And so who will bring any charge against God's elect? Now listen to this language because this is head language. It's actually judicial legal language. This is the birth certificate information right here in verse 33. It says, who will bring any charge against us, against God's elect, uh, his children? It is God who justifies, more legal language. Who is to condemn, more legal language. Romans 8.31, I mean, Romans 8.1 started with what? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he's just making this point. So who, who could condemn? He says, it is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, not only died, he was resurrected. He was resurrected. He was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. That's the judgment seat, more judging language. And who indeed intercedes for us. And now he's like an, an attorney working on our behalf, right? That's the legal language. And if that were enough, the head should know it by now. That you're a child of God and there's no condemnation and all things are good. Confident. But now he moves to the heart. Verse 35. And so who or what will separate us from the love? That's not fact. That's heart. Who will separate us from the, the love of Christ? All things, these things, will hardship, will bad times, will distress, 
Will persecution or or famine, poverty, nakedness, peril, the sword, any danger, even sword, so even martyrdom or death itself, can those things separate us? And he says in verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, this is a psalm, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. And I'll stop there for a second because he's making the point. What can separate us? God is for us, right? We're confident that God is for us. Then what in the world can separate us? And even here in Psalm 44, 22, which is what this is taken from, for our sake, you're being killed. we're being killed. Paul is saying, remember the Israelites? There was a psalmist who said, God, you're letting people hurt us. You're holding our legs down. You're holding our legs down. You're letting these other foreign nations take us over. You're hurting us. Some of our people are even dying. but yet you're for us? He's like, yes, because everything that draws you and conforms you into his image is good. And even death, although it sounds like the worst thing that could possibly happen to us, is not to be feared because to be absent from this planet is to be present with the Lord. I would argue right now, even in this time, that death might be a wonderful experience for many of us to go, thank you. Thank you that now I can experience this love unadulterated without the trappings of this earth. Oh God, show me your love fully and presently. Let me be glorified. Man, so he's for you. He shows us that with with our head. He shows us that with our heart. And I want you just to think about a few things today as we kind of get halfway through here, almost more than halfway through if you're counting. That every experience, everything you have witnessed is a testimony to how good God is. He's for you. Point three, I want us to be confident in His victory. Confident in His victory, not things you can do. Confident in His victory. Romans 8.37 says, to the question of what can separate. No, in all these things, the all things that work together for good, these things that he talks about in 831, and now, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. We, we, we are first place. Not just first place, because it's more than conquerors. We're first place, first place. We're, we're, we're winner, winner. I wanted to say, I knew somebody was thinking it. So we're not, we're not just first place. We're the GOAT. We're the greatest of all time. But it's not we. Who is it? Because it's through Christ Jesus. That is where the victory is. The victory is in Christ Jesus. He is in us. We are in Him. So we are now more, more than conquerors. And here's what I think more than conquerors means. You're not going to find this in the commentary. So this is conjecture. More than conquerors, I think, means it's not just Overcoming the bad things, but being conformed to the character of Christ. That's more than conquerors because now you're being shaped into the image of the victor, the conqueror. And I think that's so much better than overcoming any little obstacle. But to be conformed to the one who overcame all the obstacles, that's more than conquerors. And I think more than conquerors, it means something like we begin to see the good and all of those icky stuff that we go through. 
That's more than conquer when you can go, man, this is a terrible time in my life. Things are coming at me that I never intended to come at me. There is stuff that's just swiping my feet out from under me. But yet, God is good because there is an eternal hope waiting for me. And the victory is won. It's his victory that I'm confident in. And that will determine my actions. And therefore, I can now, as a more than a conqueror, I can see the little pieces of good that are embedded in all that craziness. And then more than conquerors, I think, reminds us of Romans 5, where we can take joy, we can rejoice in our sufferings. Because that sounds ridiculous. But if we have confident hope that he is already victorious, then now we can, as more than conquerors, we can rejoice in our sufferings because it leads to endurance. And endurance leads to character. And character leads to hope. And what was the promise about hope? Hope does not disappoint. That we are more than conquerors. We are confident today in his victory. And then lastly, the fourth point is we are confident in his love. That's the question that's being posed to Paul. What can separate us from his love? We need to have confidence that his love truly is there and will not leave us. And so we need to be convinced in our head and in our heart that nothing can separate us. And so he says, For I am convinced. There's our word. I am convinced. Not just I know. Not just I feel. I'm convinced. When head and heart align, man, when the things that I've seen and witnessed and the truth of his word, when all those things align, man, I am convinced that not even death nor life. That's weird, isn't it? Death or, nor life. No matter what it is. He's not going to separate you from the love of Christ. Angels or rulers or, you know, the good spirits and the bad spirits. None of that's going to separate you. They can't, the good ones can't separate you. The bad ones can't separate you. He's, just, he's, he's covering all the bases. Nor things present and the things you're worried about right now. Like, hey, can this thing be over with so I can go worry about some more about this stuff i got to do? Nope, those things can't. The, the, the thoughts and the worries of the present cannot separate you from the love of Christ. The things that you're worried about that haven't even happened yet, the present, the, I mean the future... That will not separate you from the love of Christ. Not only that, no, no, no powers. No powers will separate you. And that would be like governmental structures. Man, look, China takes over tomorrow. We're in concentration camps. That would stink. Sorry. It would stink. It'd be worse than stink. But it would stink. And you know it. It would be painful. Many of us would die. And if you were a believer in Christ, I'll tell you this. His love would not move away from you would not move away from you guys because we are confident in his love and that would determine how we act. And just let's get to the great crescendo of all of Romans up till now. Nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us. And I'm, I'm, conv I'm convinced, y'all, I'm convinced nothing's going to separate us from the love of Christ. And that's not from my doing. Because if, if, if it was left up to me, I'd figure out a way. I'd figure out a way to undo this. I'd figure out a way to turn my back on God. I, I've tried. You probably tried too. Like when things got 
weird in your life. You're like, well, he's holding my legs down. I can't trust him. I'm going to run away from him. I'm, gonna, I'm done talking to him. He's hurting me. I'm just going to tell you, man. God works all things to the good of those who are in Christ Jesus and who are called according to his purpose. And that's just so that we will be conformed to the image of Christ, be like him, and co-reign with him one day, joint heirs. I mean, it's just a beautiful story that Paul is telling us about the love of Christ, the love of the Father through Christ. I just want to conclude now by asking the band to come back up and it's really, that's it. Like, I, I don't need to preach anything to you. I just want to read these scriptures to you and let you hear and know when your head, the truth, the head, yeah, I'm a child of God. It's factual. I see the birth certificate. But feel in your heart too. Go through all the experiences you've had in your life and remember the things that have been done, things, things that, that God has done and look back and you can see the goodness in them. I know you can. Your own salvation is, is, is proof of that, that he's good to you. I just, I just want us to feel today that, that we're confident that he's good, confident that he's for us, he's for you, confident in his victory and confident in his love. And so I believe this to be true, that you, you've got stories You've got, we could just open mic it now for like the rest of the day and you could tell story upon story about how good God has been and you're now alive to tell about it. And because you're alive to tell about it, you've got these stories to tell, you know his love. He is good and you've witnessed it. He's strong and you've seen it. He's constant. He's constant. He's there. You've experienced that. He's shown you love that you did not deserve You've witnessed it. He has healed hearts. He's restored relationships. He's mended diseased and sick bodies. And you've witnessed it. He saved our souls and we are all witnesses to it. And this should give you confidence that he'll do it again. And he'll do it again. And he'll do it again. And his love is inseparable. So let this be a confidence booster for you this morning. The band's going to sing a new song. And I just recommend that you sit and prayerfully just take in the lyrics. Maybe you just want to pray there. Maybe you just want to be encouraged by what these lyrics say as they come from Scripture. Maybe you want to pray with someone today. I think some of our prayer team will be down here. If you just want to come pray, kneel and pray. That posture might be important to you. Come do that. Pray at your seats. And then at some point, and I don't know what that is, and maybe it doesn't happen at all, but I believe as we hear the truth of these words, and we're encouraged this morning, not just in our head, but we're encouraged in our heart, I believe that you're going to want to stand towards the middle or end of this song and just really give God the worship and praise that He deserves because He is worthy of it. So as we enter into this song, let's just a posture of prayer. Maybe we just bow our heads for a moment. And when they start singing, look up and just soak in these lyrics. Let's just respond how God calls you to respond this morning. And you've witnessed it, right? In your life, if you're a believer, you've witnessed it. Plenty Plenty that you know and you can tell. We have the truth of God's word. It reminds us in our head 
And we have witnessed the things that he's done in our lives and in the lives of others that show us in our heart that we feel the love of Christ. And in all of that, and in all things, God is working. God is working to the good. Amen. Man, I hope you leave here today convinced and confident that he's good, that he's for you, that you can trust his victory, and that his love is inseparable. And if you do that, if it's in your head and your heart, then you will walk out of here and you will live differently. I promise. And then you'll come back next week as we start a new series. But I, I do beg you this. If you were hoping that we would get into like called and justified and more forno and more predestination, we do cover it in the podcast. So this is kind of a little plug for the podcast. Uh, you guys can go and watch that. We really do dig into it. You'll kind of find out what some of us think and believe about certain stuff. But really at the end of it, we just talk about the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now the point of all of it is it will have assurance in him and him alone. Man, I love you guys. So glad you're here today. I just want to encourage you to go out to shake a hand or hug a neck and say, I'm convinced and I'm confident. And that's it. See you.